Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer and great philosopher Teddy Atlas. Teddy, you did it again. Successful title defense down in Philly with Alex Vodic. How you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm tired, but I didn't do it. And listen, you're a friend, and obviously you're being overly gracious to me. But the fight always does it, you know. And um, he's you know he's a terrific fighter. We weren't satisfied, you know. Uh, either one of us. I'm always proud of him, and as the person that he is, that's why I'm training him. And uh, the fighter that he is, and the fighter that he'll continue to develop, the champion that he'll continue to develop to be. That's what this is. It's a, it's a journey, you know. It's a process, and you want to continue developing. When you win the title, add to it. You know, add flaws to that house that you just built, and. Um, we didn't get to really show the things. There's no excuses or anything. It was just we had an awkward opponent, and um, nobody wanted it to end with an injury, you know. And it was confusing at the end, the way it ended. Uh, and again, uh, awkward opponent, you know, we're responsible for everything we do. And I just, you get the result you want, but not the way that you envision it, you know. And that's life sometimes. But... um I, for myself, uh, I wanted an opportunity for Alex to get more into the fight. But it wasn't meant to be. It just wasn't meant to be with this particular fight, uh, the way that things transpired. Let me give a quick recap, just yeah. if anyone hasn't seen the fight. Uh, Alex was fighting Dudu and Gumbu, um, French kid by way of... Um, what was he from? Uh, Congo. Congo. And um, so... As Teddy said, he was a very awkward fighter. Alex was taking his time. He's a very almost cerebral fighter. You saw it in the Stevenson fight. He was taking his time figuring him out. Right around the fourth round, he started. He, he missed him with a couple really big punches that probably would have ended it. Nevertheless, Dudu had an incredibly awkward style. And in the early in the fifth round, Alex hit him with a couple of shots. Nothing devastating. And it, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming he had a legitimate injury. It, I didn't see anything that screamed out like, yeah, he's definitely hurt. But he pulled up lame, pointing to his calf or his Achilles, started hopping around the ring. They waved it off. It looked like there was a little confusion, and the ref almost like seemed to give him a timeout, which was confusing in itself. I mean, you far, last time I checked, you can't call well, a timeout. You, you see the commercials, you know, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. There's no timeouts in boxing. Exactly, but, and I think it was caused huge the, confusion. Yeah, listen, no fingers pointed at nobody. Uh Again, you know, we just wanted an opportunity to to be able to do what we envisioned doing it and the way we trained to do it and the way that we would hope that we were able to do it, which is, you know, in a more solid way. But it wasn't meant to be. And, uh, you know, I have to take some responsibility for that. I just want to interrupt for one second. You, all you can do is fight the guy in front of you. I think that I know Alex is feeling very, you, you and Alex from speaking with both of you after the fight are feeling hard on yourselves. And I say, all you can do is show up and fight the guy in front of you and, and I think deal I made with- a mistake in the way that, and there's again, no excuses here. I mean, there's no crying in baseball. There's no, you know, timeouts in boxing. At least there didn't used to be. Um, uh, there's no excuses in life or in boxing. And, but, uh, we got the win. He's champion. I make no apologies. I think Alex is, uh, the best fighter there. But, 
Uh, did we satisfy everybody? No. Can you satisfy everybody? No. You can't anyway. But we got to satisfy ourselves. Yeah, I said to that's, Alex. That's where it starts. And when I take a little bit of um, responsibility is that I was concerned that he would overlook this guy because we're human beings. Yeah. And it wasn't Stevenson. Stevenson was the longest reigning champion in boxing, five and a half years, and the hardest puncher in boxing other than Wilder. Take your choice, whichever one you thought. Wilder's right hand, Stevenson's left hand. What's the hardest punch in boxing? Um, Stevenson had a better delivery system than Wilder's. Technique's better. For sure. So, and one of the hardest punches I've ever seen in my life, Stevenson. Yeah. And so... Going into that fight, we understood the dangers. We understood the awareness level that it needed to be. And he was tremendous, Alex, with that. I was concerned that everybody was talking, obviously, um, less about this guy so that he could overlook him. Human beings do that. Yeah, for right? sure. We're not machines. I was concerned about that, and, too. But this kid is a consummate pro. But... I maybe I overdid it because I was pointing out to him up until the moment that this guy is the most dangerous fighter you've ever fought. Because that's the only way I know how to go about it. Yeah. Because you don't win this fight. You don't go forward. You you know, it's one thing to win the title. What do you do with the title? Yes. You've you've been trying to win this title since you're ten years old. Do you want to be one and done? No. You know, the only way that you get back all those missed proms, all those missed opportunities, all, all those missed things that most people get to do as youngsters, playing and, and going to parties and going to celebrations and holidays as a fighter, the only way you get those things back is you win the title and you keep the title, where where you you make an impactful mark from winning the title to go back to all those things you missed. It's my responsibility to make sure my fighter. Do, do I get served by it too in my family? Of course I do. But it's my responsibility first to make sure that the fighter understands that. And that there can be no letdown. There, there's not allowed to be a letdown. That we, we have more road to plow. And there's only one way to do it. To understand that this fight is the most dangerous fight because, yeah, Stevenson was the most dangerous fight till Stevenson. But after that, the next fight is the most dangerous because it represents keeping the title. And it represents the possibility there could be a letdown. There could be a satisfaction level. So I didn't want that. So I embarked into his head that what I just said to you guys and to you guys that are listening, that thanks, by the way, for being out there. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. I didn't know if I should be doing these podcasts, and um, I got talked into it, and you guys are make me think maybe it was worth doing it. So appreciate that. But I just wanted to make sure that we couldn't, that he wouldn't stumble. We wouldn't stumble. So I put forward the imagery in his head that until we get past this, this represents the toughest fight in his life. Mm. And he's such a respectful kid. He's such a professional. And there's many professionals out there. It's not just him. I'm just talking about him because of what I know. Right. 
he is such a serious kid that he took that attitude. He went forward with that attitude that, yeah, indeed, I trust my trainer. And this is the most dangerous fight right now. And being that he's thoughtful and being that, you know, he's a guy that's in there cerebral, as you said, we may have outthought it a little bit because I put that there. I put that there because he he went in there with the same respect, the same mental constitution that he did with the Stevenson, that, that he's going to dissect this guy and he's going to respect the things that need to be respected and go about it in a methodical way. But once it presented itself that obviously it was a different level and obviously styles are different uh, and the guy was more reckless, he was still in that place for another round or two and he was getting out of that place. But because I put him in that place, he was still in that place of being more intellectual about it than he needed to be. He should have been more instinctive about it. And that's my fault. I'm just saying, and and listen, nothing wrong. He still, he still, he still did the job. He still showed the level of fighter that he is. He still did that. But for us to be satisfied, he, there were spots there where, rather than just let his hands go and and just trust a moment, he was doing what I had asked him to, and thinking it out, yeah. maybe a little beyond where. It turned out it had to be thought out. Mm-hmm. At that point, it was thought enough. We saw, we knew the guy and he, he should have just started to do the things that his instincts told him this guy was. But he was still thinking this guy might be a little bit more. Yeah. That's what you call respecting your guy too much. And that sounds funny in life and in, in any business because what do you mean respect your guy too much? You can't respect someone too much. I don't mean personally. Yeah. I just mean in the way, in the actual way of the way things were, were panning out that we should have, and I should have probably a little sooner than I did said to him, just let your hands go now. And this, this, uh, all the thinking will take care of itself. And we were getting to that place. He was getting to that place. It's just that we didn't quite have the time that it would have taken to get there, maybe another round. Um, so, you know, uh, again, you all well-intended plans mm-hmm. that I was being responsible as a trainer, but everything is obviously relative to what it is. Every, you know, everything is, is what it is. In that particular case. And in this particular case, again, this is, there's such a fine line of what I'm trying to say. It's not like you should have been reckless. You shouldn't have cared. You should have just went in there and just wing it. No, no, no. But we were still, we were at a higher place than we needed to be intellectually where we should have been more instinctual. Yes. If that makes sense. That's exactly what I was going to say. Instinctive. That's right. And, and he's very instinctual. The funny thing is, I, I think that I probably slowed that down a little bit with my, in my mind, my preparation for him to not have a letdown. 
And but listen, at the end of the day, I've had guys come up to me and say we thought he looked terrific. Um, I've had other people say, yeah, I saw the little bit of uh, tentativeness, if you will, or, or maybe that's the wrong word, but of thinking of you know feeling him out and. The feeling out process probably went a little longer than it needed to go at the end of the day. But, uh, it's again, every moment is the moment. Every, you know, uh, experience is its own experience in itself. This is what was meant to be for us at this point in our career for the journey we're taking because it will make us learn things. It would make us pay attention to some things that maybe if we just get rid of the guy, one, two, three, maybe we don't pay attention to. So, seems, so it, I really believe in those things. I believe everything happens for a reason. It seems obvious to me why you were attracted to him because one thing that stood out in that, what you've just described, is that he's very coachable and he listens to exactly what you're telling him. He's clearly put all of his faith in you because he was, I know from speaking with you and Alex before the fight and, and what the game plan was, just he listens, and I know that that's something that you look for in the fighter. And I had also spoken with him like a day or two prior to the fight because him and I have become friendly through you, and he lives down the street from me in California. And uh I said to him just as we were getting off the phone, I said, hey, it's fun being the champion, right? So get in there and get this guy out of there, handle your business, and like let's continue like doing what you're doing. And you and I had gone to um uh NASCAR event as guests. Don't of, you ever tell my fighter again, get in there and get a guy out of there. That was wrong with you. <laughs> That was wrong with you. You want him to get reckless and walk into a bar? No, no, no. I wasn't telling him to be reckless. I was meaning follow the orders, <laughs> follow the orders, handle your business. We had gone to a NASCAR event as a guest of uh, my friend Landon Castle, who's a NASCAR driver. And uh, it was interesting to see you guys a couple weeks before the fight. And um, <laughs> We appreciated you uh Taking us to that. Oh, no, it was nice of uh, Landon to extend us the invitation, but it was just interesting to see um, everything from when he was eating uh, lunch. At one point, he wanted to be done with his lunch and rush over to see one of the uh, pre-race events. And he said, no, 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 we're not done eating lunch. And it was just interesting that he follows all the directions and just continued to eat exactly as uh, yeah, as what, prescribed. Well, he's he's a, just a nice kid. Well, he's a good person, and besides being a good fighter, a very good fighter. And a special person. Yeah. And, um, and he's the reason why I'm drinking a little coffee, which I don't drink coffee, because, you know, I'm not sleeping. Yeah. Because, and, and listen, I'm not crying for pity. I'm, I'm blessed. How blessed am I to have these opportunities? But, you know, you you feel the responsibility, but you just described that a person who trusts you, a person who, you know, makes it easy for you to do your job. A person who gives you no freaking excuses to get it wrong because he ain't going to get it wrong because he's going to listen to everything you say. And so when it's supposed to shut off, I'm laying in bed last night saying, why don't you shut off? It's over. <laughs> the worrying's over. Stop. Shut it off. Please. And I can't sleep well, because, I'm, because I'm thinking I'm thinking about what we just talked about. I'm thinking about the next one. I'm thinking about, again, whatever it is that I need to do to correct things or to make things better or to move forward that I'm I'm going to be able to do those things. Well, and, you know, again, it's no 
it's just the way it is. There's no complaints because who, who's that genius who once said that, you know, pressure is a privilege? Yep. Well, it is. Mm. It is. But doesn't mean you don't feel the pressure. You know, who was that other great uh, philosopher who said uh, – Rob Moore. Just – well, it might have been Rob because Rob, <laughs> Rob is really smart. But the guy that said um, – just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean there's not people out there trying to get me. <laughs> I got to save that one and use it with my wife. Um, to wrap up that fight, look, at the end of the day, all you can do is deal with the person that's in front of you. And he did just that. It was the guy, like we said, he was awkward. Alex handled his business. The guy, whether he was injured or not. You know, you can look better. And again, no, I think I hope the people – Appreciate that we're, we're, we're in a laboratory now breaking down in a test tube, really breaking down in a very definitive way something that doesn't get broken down in this definitive way. Right. You know, we're really, we're, we are looking through a microscope here at things that a fighter, a trainer think about. So that's one of the nice things about this type of show I mean, is that we don't have a time frame. Right? Yeah, and, and you can and we can talk about the minute details of the fight, and I think that's what's interesting about this format. Yeah, you know. Go ahead. So, so to summarize, one of the things that you said, you're having a hard time sleeping, and I've noticed in my own life, whenever you have a big goal, whether it's a race or a work event, and whether it, even when you're successful, unsuccessful, a lot of times I feel the same thing you described. It's almost like a bit of depression when the event is over because there's been so much leading up to it. And even if uh, I run somewhat competitively, and Rob and I actually woke up at five o'clock the next morning after that fight really in Philly, in a, in a yeah, and we ran the Philly half marathon. And uh, how many people were in that? Eleven thousand. When did you come in? What you fifth? Come? That that is tremendous. <laughs> well, for wow. an, for an old man with wow. four kids, I was pleased. Was there, any, was there anyone eighty under eighty? No, everyone. Uh, I think the next guy in my age group was about ten minutes behind me. <laughs> honestly, but no, that's tremendous. My, I, mean, I have no idea. You know, it's kind of like looking at a guy's a fighter's record who's twenty five and 0, 24 and 0, 30 and all. The first thing you say is, who were the opponents? Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. No. where are they from? I'm you the know? first one to tell you. Like are when they it all from West Virginia. Like where where they? And don't start getting mad out there, West Virginia. <laughs> right? Don't be like the people from across the pond that all hate me now because they said it's easier to build up. Oh, please don't open that can of worms, please. please. We and, love you know, the British fighters. Of course. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but but can but can you be sober about something? Can you be honest about something? And just if you were if you were in London and you walked down the street and you asked anyone who Joshua was, most people would know. Because in a smaller pond with, with less uh celebrated athletes there, I know they have great golfers, I know that they have snooker, and I'm not making fun. I know I know that they you know that they have soccer. I get it. I get it. It's huge. I get it. And I should throw darts in there, right? No <laughs> I'm no I'm, I'm just and but you don't have Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and, and, and what's his name? Bryce Harbor just getting paid a $350 million. And, and then what's his name getting paid 400 a week later, uh, to top that? Like, uh, uh, Trout. Uh, Trout. You don't have that. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So if you walk down the street, you say, you know, Joshua, 
People identify with it because yeah. he's been built up because he can be built up because there's not as much clutter. There's not as many of the other people or names and options. But if you walk down the street here and you ask somebody, you know, what is they what? Who? Yeah. What? I, right. I mean, no, really? They, they wouldn't know. They, they would maybe know Mayweather or Pacquiao or but, Tyson, but, but, or Tyson. But when you get beyond that, and you ask him, Spencer, Spencer's one of my favorites. They wouldn't know who he is. Yeah. Let's be honest. Can we just be honest? Yes. Can we be cold honest sometimes? Yeah. Even, and put away our affiliations, our patriotism. Just just put put away being a fan just for a minute and, and talk about the honesty to the question. That, that nothing else. That it's easier to build up. There was a guy that made a lot of money in London a few years ago. I don't know if you remember him. His name was Chris Eubank. Yeah, yeah, of Now, course. Chris Eubank was a champion, made a lot of money. He was smart. You know, he stayed undefeated for a while. They built him up again because it was over there. Yep. And they built him up and he made a lot of money and he was also smart at promoting himself. Really was. He put a show on. He did whatever he had to do to make himself a personality. But – do you think that Chris Eubank could have been that over here? No, I answer it for you. You don't have to answer it. No, he yeah. couldn't have been. No, he couldn't have. Nobody would have knew. And that's not taking anything away from him. I'm not knocking Chris Eubanks. I'm, I'm happy he made money. I know him. He's a good person. But, uh, but over here, you never would have known, known who he was. You never would have heard of him. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Well, Why'd to, you get me into this? To get back to your point, oh, well, two things. We we were talking about when you're training for an event. And, and one other thing, I yeah, wanted to yeah, say what I was talking about to, to finish up on Alex on the fight is, and again, you know, we're, we're putting this under a microscope where it normally doesn't happen, but um, we're, we're being, you know, very forthright, which doesn't always happen. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, sometimes, no excuse, but sometimes it's easier when you're at a certain level, like Alex, it's and, and you're that kind of makeup where you are responsible, you do think things through, it's easier to look good against a better fighter. I know exactly what you mean. No, it's good. Than, That's true. Than, than it is against uh, a lesser fighter. Yeah. And I'm not making a guy refer to lesser, but but he's not that level. No. That time, I don't think we're, we're telling any grand secrets here. He's not quite that level. And, and, uh, and, and a guy that does things right. You know, just I, I was, just to cut through and make it simple, a guy who does things, well, quote, right, the right way, straight punches instead of, you know, from left field, from right field. Yeah. It's easier to look good against that kind of guy. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's, no, I'm with it's you. clean. But, um, and the point we were getting at is when you have a big event in the Philly half marathon wasn't a, like uh, a goal for me. I'm training for the Boston Marathon, but, but the point is when you when you have some success or failure at whatever the big event is that you've trained, you know, call it ten weeks for whatever your athletic goal is. There's a huge letdown a lot of times afterwards, even if you win the race. And to your point, who was in the race? It drives my wife crazy because if I win the race, the first thing I will say to her is like, obviously, no real athletes showed up. I won. I'm like the I'm like the tallest midget. And I know that that's not the most appropriate term, but and if I don't win, then I'm like, I gotta get back to the drawing board. So it's kind of like this. You know, no win. You just said short people are gonna be calling here. I know. I apologize. I know and, that that's not. A, I know that's not like politically correct. No, I'm sorry. I, it's not wrong because you. Didn't I'm the say tallest short person. You didn't say. It. 
whatever happened to the old-fashioned thing about the intent is what matters? Yes. Not not, not the phrase. Yes. The, the intent. Yep. Whatever happened to that? Whatever's all common sense? I like to when, – that's what I want this show to be besides boxing, common sense. Whatever happened to freaking common sense? Political correctness, left, right. Stop all the crap. Common freaking sense. Yep. Anyway. Speaking of common sense, uh, just a quick side note. Did you see that kid, uh, Pulev, after his heavyweight fight, kissed that reporter on the mouth, Jenny, uh, Jenny Sushi? No, I didn't see oh, it. I didn't dude. see it. I just heard he didn't look good. It did not. not. I mean, I don't mean it, doing that. He, as, as his, as a fighter, I heard he, his performance wasn't great. It wasn't but, great. But, but I didn't see that. She was interviewing him and he just like out of the clear blue kissed her on the mouth. And I remember at the time thinking. Was it like a Joe Namath moment? Like, what? Like, no, like no, Susie much Kobe? more offensive. Susie he didn't say, Susie I want to kiss you. He grabbed her face with two hands and like kissed her on the, like not with an open mouth, but right on the lips aggressively. And I was happened? thinking, I, I she, she just, she, you know, she said, all right then. And, you know, she was kind of, kind of laughed it off. But I watched as it happened live. I was like, Jesus, that is aggressive, man. I hope that they're, that they know each other. Like that is, if he doesn't know her, that's crazy. And she kind of laughed it off. And then I, I, there was some video of them partying together after that event. But then now this, you know, speaking of the political correct situation, uh, that Gloria Allred attorney got a hold of her. And now she's, I, I'm, I'm thinking that she's probably going to sue the kid and he doesn't have a leg to stand on. I mean, it was so out of line what he did. <laughs> it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't want to get too deep into that because it, it's, it just defies rat logic. I mean, why would you ever do that to a woman that, you know, you don't know? <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get bogged down on that shit. Um, what's next for Alex? Well, that's up to the manager. You know, we had him on the show. Uh, I think he's got the best stable in the business, you know. Yeah. Uh, Agus, Clemens. That's up to the manager. That's up to the manager and the promoter, Bob Arum. That, you know, I mean, will the manager, will they, um, you know, will they confer with me? Uh, yeah, at the right time, I'm, I'm sure that Agus will. But right now, that's up to things they have to sort out and figure out it's a business. Yeah. You know, again, talking about being candid, you know, which is, we said this is what that sh- this show is going to be. It's going to be about, not that we're the only ones in the world that can be candid, but we're only responsible for ourselves and we are going to be. Either yeah. keep our freaking mouth shut or be candid. <laughs> And, well, it looks um, like it looks like on paper the only fight that is the the well, path of least resistance of a title. And if I and I, from no, speaking, the thing I want to say is, oh, that, sorry, no, it's all right. But the thing I want to say is that it's a business. Yeah. See, a lot of people say, "Oh, but daddy, it's about the." I I agree about making the best fights. About this, about the fan. Yes, I, I, I. It's a business. It's a business, and um, so, you know, just like it's a business for the you know for the. Football, I mean, you want the best games out there, obviously, for the audience. But for the people that own the teams, it's about business. They're not doing it just because they like football. Or they, you know, they like to uh, watch a quarterback, you know, how he handles himself in a pocket. No, it's about business. And same thing with everything. So the business aspect of it, the manager will deal with that and we'll figure it out. But it's also about, you know, these organizations. It's also about the promoters 
you know, what side of the street they're on. And that's what I was going to yeah, get yeah, to. Yeah, what side of the street, you know, promoters on this side of the street. He doesn't play with a guy. You know, in old days, uh, we used to talk about, you know, play nice with everybody. <laughs> well, in boxing, the promoters don't all play with each other anymore. No. You know, they should have got one of those lessons when they were kids. You got to play with everyone. Now, play, share your toys. Come on, share your toys now. Play nice. I don't want to play. I don't. So we're in a little bit of that place. If again, if the truth's going to be spoken, where it depends what network and what you know promoter is affiliated with that network and where they are and who who can cross the street and play with each other. So that's that's all part of it, and it's also part of these these organizations who they try to mandate, who they try to move you into, and. All those things, which sometimes can be a little, a little shaky, yeah. quite frankly, how they come to these decisions. If we're gonna, you know, some other day maybe we'll get into that, but that, that, that can be, uh, a dark pool, mm-hmm. putting it very politely, uh, <laughs> you know, that can be a murky, murky pool, but we will, uh, so there's a lot of things that come into the figuring come into the deciding when it comes to figuring out what's next. When you ask that question, what's next? Mm -hmm. Um, I will say this, though. I will say that I thought the welterweight division, I still do, was the most talent-laden division out there. Really unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable, right? I mean, when you're talking about Danny Garcia, the former chairman, you're talking about Spence, you're talking about Thurman. I know he didn't look great, but still, he might be the most athletic guy in the business still, and he, he's got to get a few fights back and see where he's at, you hmm. know, because we don't know where he's mentally at, not just physically, um, as far as he's made a lot of money and, you know, how passionate he is about it and, you know, everything else. So, uh, and, and then obviously you have Spence and you have Crawford and Porter and, just a tremendous. I want to get into the welterweight division, but, but let but, me. But the light heavyweight division. That's what I was going to tell you. That's the point I'm saying. I thought the welterweight, but then when I look at the light heavyweight division, and I see, I see Alexander Volzik, I see Bevel, I see Betterbeev, I see Kovalev. Yeah, those I are think, the those are the three other uh, major yeah, belt holders. I see contenders like Brown and 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 um other uh, who was the other guy I was just trying to think about. Um, but anyway, and and other guys, I I look I look at that division, and I see that talent. I say, whoa, talk about the welterweight division, but the light heavyweight division might be the most talented division there is out there right now. Yeah, I mean, I it's, agree. it's, it almost reminds you a little bit in different styles, but it reminds you of the eighties when boxing was so damn healthy. What was the formula? Well, the formula was you had some good fighters and names. You had, you need marquee, but you also had free television. You had network television putting the fights on in your living room. So you identified with the guys. You got to know who they were. You got to see them on an easy without having do something called pay-per-view yeah. or any of that kind of stuff. And you had the best guys available to fight the best guys. You didn't have to cross the street and say, oh, I'm not allowed to go over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you had the best guys fighting each other. So back in those days, you had guys like Saad Muhammad and Dwight Braxton, Kwawi, he became Kwawi, and Jerry the Bull Martin, Yaki Lopez, <laughs> uh, Marvin Johnson, uh, you know, M- Michael Spinks. Uh, Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, 
Wow. But the, the, so the current now, light heavyweight division, like you said, is super competitive. I think you were thinking of Elder Alvarez or um, or Sullivan no, Alvarez. Alvarez, yeah, Alvarez, Alvarez nice. is always there. Yeah. You know, but, but Alvarez was the guy who was thinking of. 24-1, right. yeah. Thank you for doing that for me. Um yeah, I knew you could do more than run a marathon. and, and, and <laughs> That's questionable. And, and really love boxing. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, Alvarez was a champion. He was undefeated. And then he he gave his title back. He just lost it back to Kovalev. But uh, he's he's right there, you know, on on uh, the top part of the – I know from talking to Alex, he'd love to unify the belts. And it looks like on paper, like you said, about all the different promoters – Kovalev looks to be the path of least resistance in terms of business because he's with he's also with Agus uh, Clemens and he's top ranked guy. So that looks like they could probably make that fight on on paper. And then of course there's one other one other. He's fighter. also connected with Duva, but uh, yeah, with Kathy. But yep. yes, you're right. And then there's one other guy who you mentioned there, uh, Marcus Brown. And I want to just touch on this briefly, and I know that this is a sensitive subject for you. And just I just want to give a little bit of background for people out there because Marcus Brown, when he won the fight against Badu Jack, awesome win. He looked great. You know, first thing he said was, you know, where Teddy Alice, where you at? And I think, you know, he's a Staten Island guy. And I think to a lot of fans are probably wondering what the hell is going on. I thought that those guys were, were in the same camp. And let me just give a little background for those who don't know. Teddy is, um, you run a nonprofit, uh, in, in your dad's honor, the Dr. Teddy Atlas Foundation on Staten Island. And, um, again, these are just very high level broad strokes. I don't want to get too far into it, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into the foundation a lot more in future episodes. But over the past 10 years, you've given roughly a million dollars to three local Staten Island gyms. One of them's in Brooklyn. Right. Okay, so two in Staten Island, one in Brooklyn. And, and, and I, again, I know this is very high level and broad strokes, but one of the fighters to come out of one of those gyms was Marcus Brown. Marcus Brown had just asked. Just to be accurate, I didn't know you were going to go into this. Sorry. Just to, no, no. Just to be accurate, um, the foundation stepped in, stepped into, uh, an abyss, if you will, where, about 10 years ago, the PAL decided to pull funding on all gyms. So these kids had nowhere to go. Yeah. That's the police the gyms, athletic league. Yeah. One of the gyms was in Park Hill, Staten Island that, um, Marcus Brown was training in. So we kept that gym open. Yep. So the guy who was running the, the program at that point, Pat Russo, a former New York City detective, uh, and he cared about these kids. He came to me and he, um, he pleaded with me to, to, to consider funding the gyms. And um, obviously at the end of the day, I wound up doing it. And, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do it. it. It took me a minute to think about it mm-hmm. because, you know, it's my business boxing. So I don't want to be doing something that's necessarily in my business. I've been in this my whole life. Um, but then, I started thinking about why I started the foundation 22 years ago to remember my father for what he did. He, he helped people that were sick. And I started thinking the kids that get helped by boxing are sick. They're not sick in the way that we're helping kids where, you know, they have a disease. Physical or, ailments. Yeah. They're sick from a sickness that's out there, unfortunately, in our societies called violence. And they get touched by that. And I thought, 
this would be a place to keep them from being touched by that, to let them escape from that. Not necessarily to make champions, because if we make champions, great. Mm -hmm. That's nice, but not for that. And that I even said, if we're going to do it, we're going to put a educational component to it where the foundation will also, besides footing the bill, paying for the coaches and paying for the gyms and everything, but we'll also foot the bill to pay for a certified teacher to tutor them because mm-hmm. we wanted that to be part of it for the kids, you know, to be staying in school and um, and to be helped to stay in school. So uh, when I looked at it that way, I said, yeah. And so one of the gyms was already in existence that was closed down. Mm-hmm. It was Park Hill, the one that Marcus Brown was in. So we kept that open. Yep. And then we opened up two other gyms. One in Brooklyn, East mm-hmm. Flatbush, which uh, has hundreds of kids in, and another one in Staten Island in a place called the Berry House. So that's all. If you're going to. And we're, we're, we're going to get into the, the foundation a lot more in, in future episodes, like I said, but I just wanted to give just a little bit of context so that we could address this. And again, I know this is like a very sensitive subject for you and not something you want to discuss, but it's almost for lack of a better term, being forced on you in the way Marcus has handled some of the recent press opportunities, if you will. So at some point, Marcus came to ask you to train him. You understandably didn't want to create a conflict of interest and look look like... simple, Ken. I appreciate you. Really, you got a good heart. I feel sick that we have to talk about this. I know you do. And I know it's difficult. Because... We shouldn't have to talk. I, I, we shouldn't have to talk about this. Um, you know, he asked me. He asked me over the years on two different occasions. Yes, to train him. Mm-hmm. He's going to leave his trainer. One of the trainers in the gym. He's been with him since he's a kid. Yep. To tra- but he was going to leave him, and he was going to come to me, ask me, and I said no, and he was upset. I get it. But I explained to him because we're not bigger than the program. We're not bigger than the hundreds of kids that are being serviced by this program. Because if I allow myself to train and make money with a kid out of my programs where at the end of the day we put a million dollars into this shit, when it was all said and done. Right. I mean, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was over a hundred thousand dollars a year, somewhere in that neighborhood that was causing the foundation to fund these gyms. And the people that, give us the resources that come to our events and give us donations, they trust me. Right. I mean, there's there's nothing more important than living up to someone's trust. And they trust that I'm going to put those monies in the right places. And it was the right place. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be the right place if then kids that developed out of those gyms, I went and made money with them. Right. Then what the frick am I doing? Right, right. I, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that kind of money – those kind of resources by people that trust me to do the right thing and then make it look like, oh, that's why he did it. So, so he would develop create a your, farm system, develop your own stable system of where, where he's going to be able to cherry pick fighters out of those gyms. Right. No, that ain't happening. Right. No. So I made it very clear that I, I can't. It's got nothing to do with caring about you. I'll continue to do what I was doing for him. I'll break film down with you. You come over my house. We'll watch film which he did on many occasions. My wife would cook for you a couple of times when he came over and he's a good kid. And he, he even said, I remember one time when my wife goes, that's love. He said, and 
glad to do it. And I'll, I'll go to the gym and I'll help you and I'll point things out to you. I won't get in the way of your trainer, but, but I'll point out things and I'll help you and I'll be there for you when you call me and ask me something before a fight or whatever. And we'll, and we'll figure it out. And like I said, I'll, I'll give you advice. And I did go to the gym and work with them, but not in a way where I could be his trainer on a day-to-day basis involved financially and everything else that is part of being an everyday trainer. And again, because I can't be making money from somebody out of my gyms that these people have given me money to subsidize. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't only be a look of impropriety. It would be impropriety. Can't do it. So, you know, he asked me the one I explained it to him. He was upset. The second time he asked me again, but he understood at the end of the day. And then this comes now out of nowhere because I guess, you know, don't even ask me to put sense to how can I put sense? You know how insulting it is to me that I got to put sense to why he would be saying these kind of things. I have to put sense to it when when all I did was help the kid and want to try to help and be available for the kid. And I got to put sense to it that now because I decided I didn't know I was going to come back and train a fighter again. And now that I decided to come back and train a fighter and it turned out to be a light heavyweight and it turned out to be someone who is in his division who he could possibly have to fight. I, that, I, I, that, that would happen. Whoever would have thought that that would happen. But again, there was, there was no chance that I was going to train him because of the circumstances I just pointed out. Right. It couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. So what does that mean? I'm supposed to put sense to that, that maybe that he could be angry that I wound up training a light heavyweight, you know, years later that came to me and then I train him and we win the world title. And it happens to be in a situation like this, that it's a possibility that he could be an opponent. Um, you know, that I'm, I'm supposed to not train fighters. I'm not, I'm supposed to say, well, maybe I'll come back, but I can't train light heavyweights. You know, again, if, if it wasn't for the, if, if, change things around and let Marcus be from anywhere other than my gyms, then I may have been training them. I may have been training them, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And to try to understand how after all that and many other things that I'm not even mentioning, to mm-hmm. be quite honest with you, yeah, that no, I got to yeah. stand here and explain it, and and feel. No, I know. No, I, I know mean, how like, you feel about I, I this. Gotta, I gotta. I gotta explain it and and feel. I know from our from about our, explaining it. I know and, from our and, private conversations how much this bothers you, and, no, and I've been just, dreading asking you about it. But I feel like no, it's not even just bo- after the it, first. It, it hurts. I know it does because. I know how much it hurts you because we've because talked about it before and, and off the air, obviously. It hurts because it, it shouldn't be. Why are we even, 
I don't want to talk about it no more. I mean, like, I appreciate it. And um, I really do. I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm all human and, you know, it, it, it's just disappointing. And, and, and it, um, it's just disappointing. And it's, it's hard to, for me to, to be able to, to understand it. I, I've tried to understand it by explaining it the best I can. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, I almost feel I'm human like anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like, when I made the decision to do this all those years ago and allow the foundation to put its resources into it. And this is, this, this is the end result that, that a kid that comes out of the gym that does great. And I'm happy for, I'm happy for, instead of just saying, Hey, Teddy, we did it. Hey, Marcus. Yeah. Great job. This is, this is what has to come. That, and and I, I'd be a liar if I didn't tell you for a second when I was all alone with the things that people told me he said. And I thought, this this is why we did this. So a kid could come out of the gym and when he has his moment, he could he could attack us and attack us with lies, with lies, and 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 with with mean spirit ugliness. Ugliness? Where does ugliness come from? Where? Where was that? Where does that? How? 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 And, and, you know, and when that million dollars could have been used for other programs, for other programs, I'm wrong. I'm so freaking wrong. That's what disgusts me that I could think that for one second. I'm ashamed of myself. That I could even think that for a freaking second. You know why? Because it helped, it did save hundreds of kids. Mm. Thousands of kids. It saved. And they're beautiful. It saved. So just because, you know, I get hurt by this thing that, that for a second I would think maybe we shouldn't have done it. That's, that's what hurts. That's what makes me angry. That I could be made to even think that for a second. That to forget about all the kids that was saved, all the kids, you know, a girl that was living in her car with her mother in Brooklyn, and she's in the Navy now because of the gym, you know, and she's, and and other kids that went through college, that are policemen, that are firemen, that are servicemen, that are teachers, a kid that graduated pharmacy school. I mean. You know, they're not champions, but they are champions. You know, and for me to be brought to a place where I could forget that for a second, that, that's just, that's, that's the part that is messed up. Yeah. And, and I'm wrong for that. And, um, that's all. Well, listen, let's wrap that up. I know it's, it's an uncomfortable, um, topic. Let's move on to the welterweight division. We touched on it earlier. It's super deep. And we've got, um, I want to talk to you about the recent Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia fight. I think that when you and I had, um, discussed this fight in the past, I think we both kind of felt like, you know what? At three or four to one, Mikey Garcia looks like a good bet. Well, well we, we, were we, we were very wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, that but was, I, but, but listen, I'm again, 
you know, you live by your words. But, That's right. But I, I, I picked, don't make a mistake. I picked Spence to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it just That's said right. when you take a guy who is undefeated, he's a champion, and he comes from a champion's family and champion bloodlines. You know that if you wanted to throw, if you wanted to throw a. Uh, what 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 did the gamblers use the line for that? Uh, it was a three or four to one. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, underdog. It, yeah, so if you wanna if you wanna throw you know uh, just throw a a few bucks to the side uh, on a on a on a whim or not a whim, but just just on a you know it could be a live dog. You know, right. it didn't turn out to be that way. It didn't even live up to that. But if you wanted to, because of that, you had an excuse to do that. But make no doubt about it. Make no mistake about it. That Spence is supposed to win this fight. Right. Which he did. Yeah, yeah. And it was just about how dominant he would be. And it turned out that he was dominant to a level where it wasn't even a throwaway bet. You know? Yeah. Where you could just throw a throwaway bet. Uh, a wild card bet. Um, but... uh for me, see, I look at the fight different than uh, when we were analyzing a the fight. The simplest things you don't need Teddy Atlas to tell you this: that Spence was bigger, stronger, the naturally bigger, stronger guy, and he's also relentless. But here was the part that mattered the most to me, and it's the only reason why I really picked him to win wasn't just for that. Because bigger guys through the annals of the sport, the history of the sport, bigger guys get beat by smaller guys, especially in the old days when there was a lot of catch weight fights. Yeah. All the time. Matter of fact, the smaller guy usually had the edge because he was, he was smaller, but he was faster. He might have been smarter and he was slicker and he was better and he was technically more sound. But when you have a bigger guy and a smaller guy and the bigger guy is also smart and fast and technically sound. That's a difference. Now you got a problem. Now it's difficult because you have to have an edge somewhere. If you're the smaller guy, everyone just looks at that. But that's not where it begins and ends. It's disadvantages when it appears to be a disadvantage. You look at the disadvantage to the side, but then you look at the advantage of what I just alluded to. Guy could be smarter because at smaller weights, usually you have to be technically bigger. As a heavyweight, sometimes you can get away with being like George Foreman. And I'm not knocking George Foreman. Great heavyweight champion. Great and smart and, and special. And he had two lives. Two lives. He came back, reinvented himself personally and, and athletically. But you could get away with just less. You could get away with power and, and strength and, you know, those physicalities, those, those physical assets. But in a smaller way, class, no, you have to be more astute technically. And so if you got a smaller guy who's more astute technically and the bigger guy's not, then the smaller guy might have the edge. Mm. But here's the thing in this fight and why I like Spence. Because, and it played out. And this is something that I'm not sure everyone's been saying this. They've been just, they're not giving enough credit to Spence. And I'm taking nothing away from the heart of Garcia. I'm going to say it again. Great heart. And he didn't just survive. Yeah, he survived, but he was still trying. He was still trying. He was throwing shots. He was still trying to win, trying to land something. But it was kind of like, 
was kind of like raindrops hitting the windshield. Yep. You know? But the point I'm making where Spence don't get enough credit is because people are saying, well, he's too big, he's too strong. He was the better fighter. And I'm not knocking nobody here. Yeah. I like He was the better fighter. I'd say it again. All right? He was the better fighter. He was the better fighter. So he wasn't just bigger. He was, he had a more, he had a larger arsenal, offensive arsenal. He had a better array of punches, if you look at it. Oh, yeah. He had a better, he, he was technically better. This is a guy who you forget about his pedigree, this guy being Spence. Yeah. Of an Olympian. Mm-hmm. A tremendous amateur. So he had that pedigree. So he was technically sound. And he was more versatile. We just thought of him, and that's wrong. A lot of people just thought of him as the sick and destroy guy, the more aggressive, the bigger, the more, you know, come forward guy. No, 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 no. There's a guy who's dimensional. He was more dimensional than Garcia. Yep. And I'm going to make a comparison. You're a great fight fan. I'm going to bring you back. And for the audience, you guys are with us. I feel like I'm with you. All right? That's how I try to do the show. I'm sitting with you guys. All right? I'm sitting with you. You know? Just that you can hear me. You, I can't hear you. And that's a little advantage for me. <laughs> we hear you and, in the comment and, sections, and that's though. That's a little advantage <laughs> for me because if you disagree with me, um, you know what? I feel you. I just can't touch you. I just can't get to you. But I feel you. And I'm listening to you. But I can't hear you. But I want you to know that in this, this fight for me, when I talk about Garcia, and I'm not knocking him, no knock at all, but once you got past his dimensions of controlling the outside, you come in three inches, he goes back seven, and he pot shots you. But once you get past that, and a good fighter knows how to get past that, little faint, jab, feet, once you get past that and you don't fall into the abyss, you don't fall into that, my back hurts, you don't fall into that, that, that hole, and get counted. You don't play his game. Once you get past that, he's one-dimensional, Garcia. Because now, once you get past that, where he uses his legs, he controls range, and you get past that, he's straight up. His body's not really moving. His head's not really moving. He's a straight, he's a straight target. You know, once you get past, he's a straight target now. And, a lot of people get the perception because he was so dominant and before his layoff, people forget he took a layoff because he had a problem with promoter. Yeah. He took a lot. Before his layoff, his legs were even better. His yeah. legs slowed down a little bit before this fight. And I, I think that might hurt him a little bit. And it probably did hurt him a little bit because he had the best legs up until Lomachenko came around. He had the best legs in boxing. So that slowed down a little bit. So now, once you get past that dimension, a lot of people didn't realize... Garcia, his head was was pretty stationary. And you could touch him. You could find him. And you know what reminded me a little bit of? A guy who gave you the perception because his hands were so damn fast. He gave you the perception that he was a ghost. He gave you a perception that, that you know, you couldn't touch him. He gave you a perception you couldn't find him. You know who it was? Who's that? Meldrick Taylor mm. from Philadelphia. Yeah. What a gutsy guy, Olympian. What a gutsy guy, fast hand. But... You could touch him. Once you got, same thing. Once you close that line, you could touch Meldrick. He, he didn't, he wasn't hard to find. And as, as was proven in the Chavez fight. Now, now look, I know he was in there with a great fighter. And he, but Meldrick was winning late in that fight, but he was getting touched. Mm. He was paying a price for winning. 
Even even though, and he was never the same fighter after that, unfortunately. But even though, even though he was winning the fight, he was once Chavez closed that line on him, he was touching him, touching him with big, clean punches. And to me, it was a little reminiscent of what I saw in the Garcia Spence fight because once you close that line. It wasn't as difficult to touch him as the perception would lead you to thinking it would be. Right. That makes sense for you? Yeah, yeah. And and that, guys, you know, that is what I saw in Garcia. And again, I'm, this is a powerful word, so I want to be careful because I want to be respectful. Please don't think I'm diminishing what Garcia is and what he's done up to that point. I'm not. But to a certain degree, he was exposed. Yeah. That that was exposed where people had never realized or seen that part of it. That, yeah, once you got past that line that Teddy's talking about, he wasn't that complex. He wasn't that complex. He wasn't that complicated where Spence was. Spence, I think it took a more. fighter like Spence to point that out because Spence looked Well, it took a I fighter mean, like Chavez maybe to point that out against Taylor too. Yeah. That That Taylor was – you know, going around, he was a champion, couple division champion, right? Yeah. You know, similar. And again, real fast hands, gutsy guy, Philadelphia fighter, and Olympian, you know, all those things. And, but again, you had the perception that you had a ghost there. You had a perception there that you had a guy that was a Mayweather type guy. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because Mayweather really is a defensive whiz. No, you didn't. You had a guy that had real fast hands, but once you got past that dimension, there were he was very vulnerable. Yeah. He was he wasn't that complex. I think that coming out of that fight, the key takeaway for me was I mean, again, Garcia was moving up two weight classes, but I was Really impressed with how good Spence looked. I mean, late in the fight, he just looked like he was doing whatever he wanted to, to the point where I thought Garcia's corner might even stop the fight. And, and I would have, I don't think anyone well, would have predicted about it. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have predicted that it would have been that one sided, but that really, I think shows the, the depth of the welterweight division. And now it's like, I, I thought Crawford was far and away the best fighter in that division. And now I'm kind of torn between him and Spence and, uh, Crawford and Spence. And I'd love to see that fight, but I just can't. See how they make that with the two different promoters and the two different networks. It would have to become a mega. See, you'd have to become Pacquiao Mayweather. Yep. Where the demand was so big that, that the promoters, the two, you know, different networks would say we have to do it because of the money. It would have to get to that level and it's not at that level. Not yet. And, you know, um, the stars lined up. They don't always line up. Mm -hmm. Just, Stars lined up in a special, almost miraculous way to make the Mayweather Pacquiao. I mean, that was that was the first time that anything like that ever happened. But even that was now arguably a year or two late. All over the place with Canelo and everybody. But, I mean, you know, and you saw again, you saw Mayweather with Conor McGregor and all that stuff. But to make the kind of money that those two fighters made, Pacquiao, one guy making what? 280 million for the night and the long crazy. Making what, 120, 130, whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever the break, give or take 10 million here or there, whatever. But <laughs> I'm sure there was plenty for, of taking of 10 million well, here and there. <laughs> to, to line, yeah. To line, well, you're the financial guys. 
<laughs> yeah, to line things to line up for that to happen. Yeah. Now, now the doors open, maybe you know again, but uh, but that was the first time nobody ever dreamed that that could happen. I mean, that was like going back to Fraser Ali. Yeah. When when the weed's gonna get two and two point five million. Two point five million. <laughs> Are you guys crazy? Are you crazy? Who's going to pay that? Five million dollars to two fighters? Yeah. And now look where we are. But, you know, that's that's the history of everything in life, right? That things advance, you know. But there's a starting point. There is a starting point. You know, Catfish Hunter in baseball. He was the first guy really to open the dates or, or Flood. The yeah. guy Flood. Yeah. Flood and, and I guess Catfish Hunter to open the gates for free agency. Yep. You know, all, all these guys, that I always think there should be a Catfish Hunter and 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 for flood and all those guys that were the pioneers, there should be something there to recognize these guys that allowed a guy like Trout to just sign a four hundred fifty million dollar freaking contract it's or crazy. whatever it was. It's crazy to think there's guys, there's rookies on the team that are on probably rookie contracts making like four or five hundred thousand dollars, sitting next to a guy making three four hundred million. Right? It's crazy. The, the discrepancy from the rookie contract to the free agent, like mega contract. But listen, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep in that because I want to get your thoughts. Just for two seconds. Yeah. For Crawford Spence, because Mm. that would be the fight I like to see. Right? Right. I don't think I'm letting any secret out. I think, uh, you guys would probably agree, right? (laughs) And the thing in that fight that makes it is that they, they match up really. Different styles, but you know where they match up? Both great talent, right? Right. Both got power, even though Crawford's the guy moving up. You know, if you got power, you got power, you carry it. He, he seems to carry his power. Punches are, are born, they're not made, so you can carry it. Pacquiao carried his power. People forget that he was 109 pounds at one point in his life. And he went up to this and this and Bantam and, and Feather and Junior Lightweight and Lightweight and Welterweight and Junior Miller. Floyd will never let you forget how many weight classes yeah. he went up and keeping yeah. that power and how did he and do that's it. That's what I mean. So Pacquiao carried his power. So Crawford has carried his power. So they both have power. They both have great talent. That's where it starts. You have to have great physical ability. They have, they both have different styles, but, but they both have talent. Uh, and they're both undefeated, and they both are very confident fighters, special fighters. And there's an innate, instinctual component to both of their games. I would say maybe even a little more to Crawford's, a little bit more. Where the difference starts to come a little bit, again, is the size, a little bit. That that Crawford, no doubt, Spence is the naturally bigger guy. Yeah, He's the naturally bigger guy. But... This time, he's in there. He's the naturally bigger guy, but he's in there with a guy, unlike Garcia, which I just went through. Crawford can match him in these other categories. As far as intellect, as far as versatility, he can be very versatile. Hmm. He can even switch lefty or righty. He's got that kind of option. So he can match up better with Spence. So it's not just, you know... Yeah, it's not just a bigger guy. It's a bigger guy in there with a naturally small guy, but a small guy who's just as good as him in a lot of categories. Not, you know, not, not better than him, but, you know, as good. It's mm-hmm. in a lot of these areas that you have to mark off in the boxes when you're trying to evaluate, you're trying to handicap something. And it's a difference of the way they approach it. You know, Spence approaches it where, 
he's going to push forward. But he's also he also can step back and can box. He does have that dimension to him. That's what makes him special. Crawford, long. You know, he, he's got the body frame for that to move up. He's long. He's got that reach. He, he wants to control the outside from lefty or righty. He wants to make you, he wants to charge you. You're, you're a guy probably into real estate. He wants to charge <laughs> you for real estate. You're going to come in three feet. He's going to charge you four punches for that three feet. Yeah. And they might be hard punches. So he's a guy who's going to draw a line in the sand. He's going to use his reach. You, you know, he's going to try to walk into traps, try to control the real estate, not allow you to make ground on him, make you pay a price for that real estate. And then you got, it's on the burden. If, if he does that, what makes this fight interesting to me is the burden. This could be a negative for Spence, who would probably be the favorite in the fight, probably. You think? I, I think he might be. Really? But, but it'll be close, but he might be. But now the burden is on him, maybe, maybe, to make the fight, to push the fight. Mm. Not make the fight contractually. Yeah. Make the fight in the squared circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the burden is on him to have to come forward because the other guy's got to reach and he can control the outside. And so the burden might be on him a little bit. Though, and that makes it really intriguing. And that makes it really an interesting, interesting fight. And, um, and the last thing I'll touch on is where does, where does the size advantage equate into advantages? Well, the obvious that you're bigger, you're stronger, right? We touched on that. Mm-hmm. But this. Yeah. That maybe the bigger guy takes it a little better. Mm-hmm. See, nobody talks about that. Yeah. And that, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that could be the difference in that fight. Maybe. Crawford has very good here so far. So far. From, from featherweight to, to, to junior lightweight to lightweight. Now he's at welterweight, but we haven't really found that at this level yet. Yet. So. Well, he's got a test coming up, and um, I mean, I love watching Crawford fight, but I've got to say, no offense to Khan. Like, I'm not that excited about this. I know they're hyping it. Well, start and, here. And, yeah. This, this isn't, he's been knocked not, out hard three times, and I just think against Crawford is probably like, I mean, okay, he fought Canelo, and Canelo, like, I mean, he hurt him. He knocked him out cold. And uh, I just, I don't see anything that... This this looks to be completely one sided. The line reflects it. I disagree. Okay, a little bit. Okay, I hate to disagree with you because you're <laughs> such a nice guy. You really are, and and I'm afraid if I disagree with you like three times in a row, the glasses will change. You know, because I know you have <laughs> different style glasses. And and I, to the guy I who like, said my glasses are well, shit on YouTube, no, your no. shit, boom, roasted. No, we can't. <laughs> we can. <laughs> Ken. Guy made me uh, so angry. Where, where's the referee? I'm going to have to get a referee to come and sit with us. Are, are you kidding me? Listen, here's where I disagree. The outcome, you might be 100% right when, when this maybe gets touched. But people forget. You know what Khan's great at? And, and listen, I'm taking nothing away from his proudness in his career as a fighter, right? He's great. He's a great businessman mm-hmm. and manager. Mm-hmm. He knows how to play that social media thing that I don't know a damn thing about. Yep. He knows how to play that thing like like 
like a yo-yo. I agree with you there. He, 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 he ain't going to help him. No, no, no. He's a guy that people, and you wouldn't be wrong, say he doesn't deserve these fights, but he gets them. Mm-hmm. He loses, but he gets them because he puts himself in position to get them. Mm-hmm. He probably deserves more or as much credit as a manager and businessman and and maneuverer, if you will, if that's mm-hmm. such a word. Mm-hmm. I can make up words I'm, I'm sometimes. Um, Some might say manipulator. Whatever. I want to be nice as yeah. I can with it. But he's as good as that as he is at fighting in some ways. Yeah. Especially lately. Especially lately. You know, he that. gets that huge payday with Canelo, gets blown out, and then he gets another payday here where other guys didn't get his payday. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. That's unbelievable. He's done quite a job with that. And But let's not forget what he was as a fighter. He was a champion. He was a silver medalist some Olympics ago. Yep. He was a silver medalist, young. He was about 17, 18 years old as a silver medalist, if my memory serves me correct. He was good. And, of course, he fought in a place again. Oh, my London fans. I love yous. Love yous. <laughs> I do. I, I do. Been over there. Uh, but, you know, it was easier to build him up into a star, as I explained earlier, because it's London. You don't have all the other traffic, so to speak, mm-hmm. to, to bump into. Yeah. So he was built up into a star. Now, he had to have something to build up. He had a silver medal. He's, he's long. He's tall. He's got a good jab. He uses that jab. Like I said, he's long. Um, and he's got a good straight right hand. He's, but he's very, he's fundamentally good in the area I described, but, but he's, he's one dimensional in that area. He, he's very elementary. And I'm not, it's not a knock. It, it's, it's just that, you know, he's very basic, conventional. It's jab, jab, right hand. You know, everyone's yeah. on uppercut. And, and he's got good legs. Mm-hmm. Well, he's getting old now, yeah. but, but he had good legs. So he had good legs, good jab. Nice straight right hand and some power in the right hand. Yeah. Yeah. He could get you. He could get you with the right hand. And so he, he will bring that. He will bring that to, he will bring that to the forefront, to the fight against Crawford. Here's where the mistake is for Khan and why, of course, I'm going to wind up picking Crawford by knockout. I think Khan will give him trouble with the things I just said with his jab. He's got good speed, good hand speed. Uh, he throws straight punches. He'll, he'll set up the right hand. He'll be able to, you know, if Crawford turns southpaw, he'll look for the right hand against the southpaw, which works against southpaw sometimes. I used to call it on ESPN, the southpaw killer. So he would, and with his legs, he'd be able to give him, maybe get out in front. Maybe, maybe. But here's the big here. With Khan... He reminds me of De La Hoya. People say, well, oh, Teddy, what, what? And that's, don't get into none of those crazy places either. I, <laughs> I see your minds. I see those minds. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, where De La Hoya in all the big fights, he'd screw it up. He'd find a way to screw it up. He'd find a way to screw it up, to do something wrong and blow it. He did it. He did it with Mosley, you know. Uh, Hopkins. When Hopkins maybe was too big for him. But, you know, in, in all all the big fights, 
He never won them. Mm-hmm. Some people say, well, he beat Ike Quarte very close. But that, to me, I'm talking about the, the really mega fights. And he always blew it. Trinidad. Trinidad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he decided to run for three rounds when he's got the fight in the bag. Yep. And he, and he was winning by doing what he was doing. He didn't win by running, mm-hmm. but he always would find a way, almost like he didn't deserve to win. Yeah. Like psychologically, something mm-hmm. went haywire. Right. And he would always mess up. Well, Khan is, Khan in the big fights always finds a way somewhere along the line to make a mistake, to make a mistake. In the Garcia fight, you know, he, he's, he's on the outside. He should be on the outside with Garcia when, when he was fighting Danny Garcia. When I think Garcia won his first title. He should have been on the, and what's he do? He gets a little too close with the jab and he gets timed. He gets, he gets a little too close and he gets timed. I think a left hook, whatever it was, but, he, but he gave up the height and, and he engaged. He, he got too close with Canelo. I know people are going to say, well, Canelo was too big, but he was doing good. He was doing good. He was boxing on the outside. His one chance was to stay outside, right? Yeah. And use the jab, right? Right? Yep. And what does he do? All of a sudden, he decides, I'm going to lead with a left hook against a, against a stronger guy, a bigger strong. I'm going to lead with a left hook. Seems like a good idea. Bam! Oh, not so good. Straight vicious, right hand. Vicious knockout. Straight right hand right inside the left hook. All of a sudden, he decides to, to do. And then then early in his career, uh, against, um, what was the... Uh, what was the guy's name? Bradis Prescott. Uh, against Prescott. Uh, he, again, long, he's got the reach, he's got everything. He decides to give up that reach or he forgets. Or maybe fundamentally was never consistently taught right. The technique is wrong. It's wrong. He throws the chair from too close. Bang! Gets hit. Always finds a way. And we have our great Rob here who's there for us. And he can show you some of the things I'm talking about. You know, let me, let me see. Which one is this? This is Prescott. Prescott. Look, look. He's too close. Look. With that long body, with those long arms. Look, you guys. He shouldn't be that close. Geometry. Geometry of the ring. He was too close, and he got nailed. He got caught. Right? And then we can show the other ones, too. We can show the ones I was talking about. The Canelo one. We can show the, the Garcia one. But again... Always in the big moments, he'd make a big mistake. Here, he's on a, he decides to throw a left hook. What are you throwing a left hook against Canelo, who's bigger and stronger? And a straight right hand, what does it do? It beats the left hook. Watch. Straight beats round. Did did you learn that in, (laughs) right? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Right? All right. And then, and then we got the Garcia one. Now, here, what's the Garcia one? Another, I mean, what a good job by, uh, by Rob here. Look, got too close. Show it again. Now, the obvious is the hook. I mean, everyone say, oh, but Teddy, let, uh, yeah, but why? He got too close. He didn't have to get that close. Again, maybe he wasn't taught these things on a consistent manner that, that is a flaw in his technique and his training. But again, he gets too close. His right hand dropped a little bit when he threw it. He went to throw it, gets too close. And he's susceptible. He's in the line of fire. He geometry can. Boxing is about geometry. Who controls the geometry that's best for them, more consistent than the other guy? Who's in control? Who's fighting where it should be fought to give them a benefit? To give them an. Who's doing that more? And he always gives up to geometry at some point. 
Yeah, and like I said, I think this is going to be a whitewashing, and the line reflects at sixteen hundred to sixteen hundred minus sixteen hundred on Terrence Crawford plus eight hundred on America. But you would, so like, don't have but to you would like to be Khan's accountant. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. yeah. Khan's done a great job. Um, let's talk about the heavyweight division because there's a lot of action going on there, and we've got some. Basically, the three big dogs in that division all have fights coming up between uh, May 18th and June 15th. Unfortunately, none of them are fighting each other, and I don't see uh, anything on the horizon that suggests they may be fighting each other anytime soon. But first up... Um Canelo got a gift. Uh, would it be fair to say when he got his 350 million, whatever it is, excuse me, I'm off by a few yeah, million, yeah. right? Um, when he got his big, he got a gift. Is that fair to say was his first fight that they gave him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, oh. right? Oh. Okay, right? And, and you would say that he got overpaid for that, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, slightly, <laughs> right? Slightly. So I, I would say you think it's fair, maybe, and I know you're going to get to it, but the guy that Schwartz that's fighting uh, Fury in his first part of this deal for 100 million or whatever the money is, I I, I don't even know actually what, but Fury got somewhere in the neighborhood supposedly 100 million dollars for X amount of fights, whatever it is that he signed up right uh, with top rank. Would just I I would say just like the Canelo one, they they're giving him a. Uh, a free one against Schwartz. The, the, he's being overpaid, I would think. Even though he's fighting a guy who's twenty four and all, and it looks good because it has to look good. Because right, you gotta you gotta put it forward as a reason to watch it, right? But when when you look at the guys that Schwartz has beaten, uh, and you know, obviously you're not gonna. I, I think I knew one of them. He was a neighbor of mine. <laughs> The plumber? He was no. He was a good guy. Don't because he used to he used to always shovel the sidewalks for people when it snowed. (laughs) You know, he he did, and 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 now he he deserves his payday because just for that, just for being that kind of human being, he does. But I digress. I'm I'm the. I think the point is made that you know. Fury's getting all this money, and the first one out of the box, he's, I think he's being overpaid, but hey, so be it. This is, this is where we live now, right? Yep. Right? And so he's fighting Schwartz, and, uh, we try to bring the people, hey, I don't want to be using stupid oh, we try to bring you the truth, right? Because we're supposed to do that. But we do try to bring you things that maybe, uh, not going to be as readily available. Normally. So we're going to show you a clip of the guy Schwartz that is fighting Fury in his first fight in his package that he has, right? He's 24 and all. Yeah. And all I'm going to say to you is you see the size of the guy he's fighting. He's a lot smaller. So the guy wasn't put there really to win. He we're was, talking about was, uh, Schwartz's fight back in uh, April 21st, 2018. Go on the internet. You can find it. He fights Sanad Gashi, who at the time was 16 and 0, yeah, which is, which is up. crazy to begin but, but with, which is crazy. Because he, listen, he fought four of my neighbors <laughs> and they were all good guys. Except one of them. One of them. One of them, the guy used to let his dog run loose. But one of them, he but fought but the that, same that, guy twice with two different names. Well, well, <clears throat> that was the other. But he, he's fighting this guy. And here's, here's the thing. When you see this, you know exactly why Schwartz is the opponent. Because in this case, and I, listen, I always try to be careful. And I should be. 
that we all should be, especially in my business. I've been commentating fights for 22 years. I've been training fighters for, I've been in the business 40 years. Never be in somebody's mind, never be in their heart, never be in their body. Because never be in their body because you don't know. You don't know. You think you might know, but you don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to qualify by saying that I ain't in his body. But I've been in this business 40 years and I've seen this stuff. And I, it's not just about what a fighter can do physically. Some guys have less talent than others, more talent than others, technically better, technically less. But one responsibility you have if you're in that ring, you know what it is? Behave like a fighter. And again, I'm not in his body. I say it again. I ain't in his body. But, You watch this for yourself, and you think, because a fighter, if you look up Webster's Dictionary, I don't know what the freak it's going to say, but I know what my definition is. You find a way to overcome. A fighter finds a way to overcome what's in front of him. You find a way to overcome. You behave like a fighter. And... Not for nothing, but if a guy's in the ring, I I handle a guy who's got less talent. I say, you know what? I'll watch him because he's behaving like a fighter. But when you watch this, or you guys make your own conclusions. Before- you make your own conclusions. And again, no doubt that he gets hit with something, with, with what we're going to show you here. Before with we- a foul. Before- with a foul. But- did he try to overcome? Did he try to behave? That's all I said. Before we show that clip, let me just set it up. So Schwartz is fighting a guy in um, – they're fighting in Germany. He's fighting uh, Sanad Gashi. I think it's in Germany. He's fighting Sanad Gashi, who's 16-0 and at the time. On paper, it all looks like, you know, Sanad's brought in to be the opponent. 16-0 and looks nice. Sanad, but, but Sanad's not behaving like an opponent, and he's starting to touch Schwartz on the chin. Well, it's not just get- that he's not being, it's that it's available to him because you can touch Schwartz on the chin yeah. because you can hit him with right hand. He does put the earmuffs on. Right. He does cover up and just stand there where you can do something. And I think Schwartz is caught by surprise. Like this guy isn't behaving like an opponent. He's come to fight. So he starts getting to Schwartz and then we're going to show, gosh, he gets him with a little headbutt. No doubt. It looks a little dirty, but let's watch Schwartz's reaction to this headbutt and you can judge for yourself. And watch if, it, uh, how if, if it, it is. Yeah. Watch how severe it is. You watch. Go ahead. Go watch. Okay, so he springs up a little here. Gets him on the chin. All right. Even ahead. I mean, he pushes All right. his head up under him. Come on. Hold on. Let's look at Schwartz's reaction. Someone watch shot this. him with a watch sniper this. rifle, it looks like. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, again, am I in his body? No, I'm not. And if this was turned out to be severe, i keep my damn mouth shut. Okay, okay, hold on. But if it's severe, not. if it's severe... We're not continuing this no, fight, no, fair? I can't continue. Okay. Can't, okay, so let's see what happens. Just with these pictures, you would assume the fight has ended. Right or wrong? This fight has to end. Let's look, at, look at this guy's face and look at the attention but, he's getting. By the way, he's been down altogether. How long? Do we know? Have we ver- verified that? It's somewhere around five minutes, four minutes, <laughs> six minutes, three minutes? I mean, a long time. He's been down for several minutes and they're giving him medical attention like... I, Bottom line look, is, look at the way it, he's laying there. Can we show more? I mean, let it play. I, I guess you, you guys can find it yourself, and you can answer all the questions I just brought up. But he he lays there. They got his head there. propped up. The medical attention. If the, you want to think the worst, he was laying there. If you want to think the worst, and again, I don't want to be in his mind, but my job is to to talk. Right? We have a show, right? We we it's called an opinion show. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So we have to talk. So I'm saying, if you want to think the worst, that we already know he didn't get hurt. Thank God. Thank God he wasn't hurt at all. At all. But if you want to think the worst, he was laying there until the referee was going to disqualify the guy. Exactly and he didn't right. want to move to That's that exactly happen. Right. And guess what? For whatever reason, it didn't happen. Because the referee saw what we saw. It wasn't a blatant. It wasn't like, wow. It was just like this. Really. Yeah. And, and and then boom, he falls down. Like, I mean, I I I I think he. Let's oh, call it what it is. Schwartz was looking for a DQ. He wanted well, that guy disqualified. I'm going to go out on a limb, and that doesn't make me, you know, the great handicapper here. But I think that he might. He probably would have a better chance of winning an Oscar before he's going to win the fight with Fury. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I mean, because he showed some talent. I, I didn't see the talent <laughs> to win the fight yet, but I did see the talent to win an Oscar, or at least be competitive. Be a little competitive. Because, and and then he lays there, and the referee says, no, I'm not. And then finally, like, you got to get up. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we, like, the, the, the arena is only rented to, like, another hour. Yeah. Like, you, you got to get up. Yeah. And finally gets up, and he fights. They fight three more rounds. He continues. Like nothing like And the guy gets him with, with no another half ass headbutt and Schwartz himself starts waving off the fight, disqualifying the opponent. Eventually the ref is like, oh, this isn't going anywhere. Fine. He's disqualified and disqualifies you just the guy. Said it. See, listen to what Ken said. Schwartz called for the disqualification. He's literally waving off the fight with the with the arms in the air like a referee would do. And the referee eventually is just like, ah, oh, screw it. This isn't going anywhere. Yeah, you're disqualified. Game over. And Schwartz goes on with the victory and this the, the other guy gets disqualified. I mean, it's really... It doesn't, it doesn't look good for, uh, Schwartzy in the Fury fight because he's going to have a lot more to worry about with headbutts with, uh, Fury. And I, I, I don't think we helped the promotion. I'm sorry. No, I, I, you just got removed from a Christmas card I, I, well, list. Well, we're not getting no Christmas cards. I mean, did, I'm sorry. I mean, do you put them up? Do you hang them up? Do you do that? <laughs> no, I'm just saying you're gonna have one less. I mean, you're not gonna. <laughs> but do you do that? But yeah, it looks nice. It yeah. looks nice. You, you know, at you know Christmas time, you hang up those. My wife used to do that. You know, hang them up, and you know. But um, no, we're we're not getting one of those uh, one of those cards. But I mean, but we are doing what we said we would do when we started this show. It was five episodes ago now? Yeah, our fifth. What we said that we're gonna bring you again. I don't want to be. Uh, I use that stupid word, bring you the truth. But well, we want to bring you the. We want to bring you the truth. You know, we want to. We want to say things that you should hear, and let you figure it out. But at least make it available to you. You know, pull the stuff out that's uh, might be under some rocks somewhere. Turn yeah. the rocks over. You know, that's all. So I turn him over. Yeah, that doesn't look to be like a very competitive fight, but that should be interesting to see how this uh, heavyweight division plays out over the uh, coming months. Um, before we wrap, you got the- any other fights you want to destroy? <laughs> any other pro- I mean, you got <laughs> some of these fights. Darts. Some of these fights I'd like to go to. I don't want to get banned from the arena. No, you ain't going. You, 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 you better, you better get another pair of glasses, right? With one of those noses. 
and the mustache. I'm going to need uh, Dave. Yeah, yeah. You better put one of them on. I'm going to need uh, Dave Portnoy at Barstool Sports to build me a disguise so I can attend some of these fights like he did at the Super Bowl. And you talk about darts, throwing darts. You're not going <laughs> to have to go to London to see, to see our picture on somebody's dartboard. Yeah, yeah. A lot of holes around the face. <laughs> Well, hopefully the fans appreciate the honesty. The promoter, some of the promoters might not like the, um, pointing these kind of lopsided matchmaking efforts out, but, uh, I think the fans appreciate the honesty that you're sharing with everyone. Can I do one real quick segue? Sure. sure. Because I think it'd be unfair to leave the heavyweight division with only the names we touched on. Yeah. There's a few other names out there because I'm sure there's some fans out there that say, Teddy, those are the only heavyweights out there. No. And I just like to tell you some other heavyweights that are out there and that maybe y'all and talk about um as much. But there's a guy now that's kind of making his presence known. Uh Joe Joyce. Uh the the real fight fans will know who he is, but he was a two thousand sixteen Olympian, silver medalist, uh from from Great Britain. And he's about 260 pounds. I think he's 8-0 with eight knockouts. Maybe he's nine and with nine knockouts. Yeah. But he's he's uh moving fast. He's moving pretty fast. And when you have a big amateur background, you can move faster, you know, because you do have that, you do have that background. So you got it. You touched on pool left. There's also a guy named Adam Konaki. I want to pronounce it right. A Polish heavyweight. I think he's about 19 and 0. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fan friendly. He really is. He's a gutsy guy. He makes, he makes fun fights. Yeah. People love him. He's got an audience behind him and a following behind him. And he, he makes fun fights, you know. And then you got a guy named Oscar Rivas who uh, he's promoted. I think he's about 26 and 0. He, he beat Brian Jennings uh, not too long ago. And he's promoted out of Canada. So, and then, you know who, you want to hear my favorite guy out there? In the, in the bushes a little bit. He's not in the bushes that much because he's won some, he's won some, Pretty good fights recently. He beat Joseph Parker. But Dylan White. I, I like Dylan White. This, this kid, they put him in a little too early, uh, with Joshua. That's his one loss. He got stopped yeah. by Joshua. Yeah, yeah. But I like this kid. I really do. I like him. I like his attitude. He's strong. He's physical. He goes to the body pretty good. You know, he punches good. You know, he likes to be aggressive and he's getting better. Yeah. He's getting better. You know, they, like I said, they put him in too soon with Joshua. He's, and so I like him. So there are there are some other plays out there. I'm just I just wanted to do that. That's all. I wanted to mention that there are other heavyweights out there, and um, you know, guys guys to be aware of, guys to think about a little bit. One thing I've meant to I forgot to mention when we were talking about Alex earlier is that um we have two gloves signed by Teddy and Alex that we're going to give away in the next two weeks. Um. You can find information on the um, show notes on the iTunes uh, podcast site, but one will go to a random uh, subscriber on the YouTube channel, and one's going to go to the fa- our favorite review on Apple Podcasts. So to be clear, it's not the comments on the YouTube channel. We're going to pick one from our favorite review on Apple And one's going to go to whoever's nicer to can. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of nice people. It's just if 100 people say something nice and one guy says, my glasses are shit, that's the only one I see. It, it drives me but crazy. Don't, but Ken, don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. People really I'm like kidding. you. They appreciate you. I'm person. trying. I'm trying. If you knew how much I cared and tried, you would be much but nicer we do to me. Know. We do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to pick two uh, two people to get the glove signed by Eddie and um, uh, Teddy, Teddy and <laughs> Teddy and Alex. <laughs> 
And uh, thanks again, seriously, to all the comments and uh, on YouTube and all the reviews. Seriously, it means a lot. And, um, you know, we announced the winners of the Lomachenko and Teddy signed gloves. Um, the two winners were Frank Pittman and for the uh, Apple iTunes review. And the YouTube subscriber was Shaggy Turtles 43. Teddy Shaggy Turtles. I love yeah, Shaggy Teddy Turtles. picked that name. He liked the, uh, liked that Turtles. handle. <laughs> so thanks to everyone who subscribed. Honestly, it means a lot. And, um, yeah, I think we're going to leave it there for this week. And, um, we've got some big things coming up. So please stay tuned. Continue to tune in, subscribe, review it, share the shows. We're, um, looking forward to having some really good guests coming on in, uh, coming months. So, Stay with us, and thanks for being with us. Uh, Teddy, you got anything you want to add? Go Raiders. <laughs> My son works for local Raiders. You know? Yeah. And uh, the draft will be coming up before you know it, right? A lot of controversy and, with right? the Raiders. Tweeting out a tweet about um, who's the kid from Oklahoma, Rob, the uh, quarterback. They got David Carr's attention. They tweeted out uh, um, something about the, the quarterback from Oklahoma and uh, David Carr tweeted out a set of eyes and uh saying basically I'm 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 seeing this who's who's tweeting out that we're drafting a quarterback. Oh he was the Heisman, Heisman Trophy. Trophy. Yeah. Why am I spacing on this? Yeah the Heisman Trophy winner from uh from Oklahoma. Real I mean Kyler Murray. Yeah Murray. Sorry. I mean great kid from everything we know about him and obviously a great athlete, you know, and uh Man, oh man, he, he can make things happen. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, he can make things. Some people are talking about, I don't know if people forgot about this guy, but boy, was this guy magical years ago when he first came out. Michael Vick, remember him? Oh, yeah. Some people compare him to that kind of electricity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you know, electricity where, you know, he can, he can just make plays. Yeah. You know, um, and, but, uh, we'll see, but either way, just win, baby. Just win, baby.